Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. My name is Jonathan Snowbell, and this is the fifth of sixth Shurim on Parshat Bemidbar. Today we'll be learning the section in Paragimel, Sukim Mem Til Nun Aleph. It's the third chapter from the 40th verse till the 51st verse, the end of the parak. This section discussion discusses the redemption of the firstborn through replacing them with the Levim. And that brings us to several unanswered questions from the previous Shurim. We mentioned a problem with mathematics. The subtotals of Gershon, 7,500, Kehat, 8,600, Mirari, 6,200, equaled 22,300. But in the final verse of the previous section, the Torah states that there were 22,000 Levim over the age of one month old. The second unanswered question is why are there two census of the Levim from one month old, which we're about to read now, and from 30 to 50, which we will read at the end of this week's parasha and the beginning of next week's parasha? And three, what is the relationship between the commandment to redeem the firstborn here in our parasha and the commandment we've previously learned several times in Sefer Shemot? All these questions will be addressed within today's section, which we will read and translate now. Vayomer Adonai el Moshe, Pekod kol bechor zachar livnei Yisrael miben chodesh vama'ala, vesa et mispar shemotam. Then the Lord said to Moshe, Count every firstborn male of the sons of Israel from a month old and upward, and make a list of their names. Just as we previously counted the Levim from one month and older, now we are to count the firstborn. You'll take the Levim for me, I am Hashem, instead of all the firstborn among the sons of Israel, and the cattle of the Levim instead of all the firstborn among the cattle of the sons of Israel. So Moshe counted all the firstborn among the sons of Israel, just as Hashem had commanded him. And all the firstborn males by the number of the names from a month old and upward, for their numbered men were 22,273. And then Hashem spoke to Moshe, saying, "Kach et halvim tachat kol bechor b'vnei Yisrael, ved be'mat halvim tachat behemtam, vehayuli halvim ani Adonai. Take the levim instead of all the firstborn among the sons of Israel, and the cattle of the levim, and levim shall be mine. I am Hashem. Ve'et peduye hashlosha v'ashivim v'hamataim ha'udfim al halvim ibechor b'nei Yisrael." For the ransom of the 273 of the firstborn of the sons of Israel, who are in excess beyond the Levim. In other words, the Torah is pointing to the discrepancy. There are 22,000 Levim, but there are 22,273 firstborn. Of course, as we've pointed out, this is not exactly accurate, but we'll have to deal with that question subsequently. In the meantime, the Torah is addressing what to do according to the numbers of 22,000 of Levi'im, as opposed to 22,273 firstborn, what to do with the extra 
ולקחת חמשת חמשת שקלים לגולגולת, בשקל הקודש תיקח עשרים גרה השקל. You shall take five shekels apiece per head, you shall take them in terms of the shekel of the mishkan. The shekel is twenty gera, gera being a measurement. ונתתה הכסף לאהרון ולבניו, פדויי העוטפים בהם, and give the money, the ransom of those who are in excess among them, to Aaron and his sons. ויקח משה את כסף הפדיום מאת העוטפים על פדויי הלוויים. So משה took the ransom money, or the redemption, the redemption money, from those who were in excess, beyond those redeemed by the לוויים. מאת בכור בני ישראל לקח את הכסף, חמישה ושישים ושלוש מאות ואלף בשקל הקודש. So משה, From the firstborn of the sons of Israel, he took the money in terms of the shekel of the Mishkan, 1,365, that is 273 times 5. Vaiten Moshe et kesef haptuyim l'Aron ulevanav al pi Adonai, ka'asher tziva Adonai et Moshe. Then Moshe gave the redemption money to Aharon and to his sons at the command of Hashem, just as Hashem had commanded Moshe. Two minor points that we'll address briefly now. There is no counting of the animals, nor of the Levim, nor of the firstborn, though they are to the, the animals of the Levim are meant to redeem the animals of the firstborn. Rashi explains that there was no count. In fact, there was a symbolic act that the animals of the Levim redeemed the animals of the firstborn, but without a precise uh, count. The second question is, how did we choose the 273 firstborn that were to pay money? 22,000 of the firstborn are redeemed by the Levim. Only 273 who do not have a Levi to redeem them are to pay five shekels. Well, if I was a firstborn, I would say, I'm not going to pay. I'm redeemed by a Levi. So in fact, Rashi addresses this point, and Rashi says that uh, some sort of lottery was taken where they would pick up a piece of paper, a parchment, and if it's, uh, the firstborn picked up a parchment that said Levi on it, then they were free. They didn't have to pay. They were redeemed by the Levi. But if they picked up a piece of parchment that said five shkalim, then they would have to pay the five shkalim instead. But now we return to the larger questions and understanding what is exactly taking place in this section. In order to understand the replacement of the firstborn by the Levim, we must better understand the redemption of the firstborn in general. To that end, we will read the Psukim in Sefer Shmot that address this issue. In Shmot Yud Gimel, Pasuk Bet, we read the following Pasuk, right at the time of the Exodus from Egypt. Kadesh li chol bechor peter kol rechem b'vnei Yisrael b'adamu v'abehema lihu. God commands Moshe, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both man and beast, it belongs to me. Later in that same parak, Psukim Yudbet to Tetvav, the Torah seems to command again, V'ha'avarta chol peter rechem l'adonai, v'chol peter sheger behima asher yelecha hazicharim l'adonai. You shall devote to Hashem the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to Hashem.
וכל פטר חמור תפתה ושא, ואם לא תפתה וערפתו, וכל בכור אדם בבניך תפתה. But every first offspring of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, but if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So there's a little bit more detail here now in the second half of this parak, what to do with the, with, with the animal, what to do with the, with the donkey, what to do with the human. But now the Torah goes a little bit further and goes into an explanation. Vehaya ki shalacha vincha mahar lemor mazot, and it shall be when your son asks you in the time to come, saying, What is this? Then you shall say to him, With a powerful hand, Hashem brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. It came about when Pero was stubborn about letting us go, that Hashem killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrificed to Hashem the males, the first offspring of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. So we note here that the Torah goes out of its way to tell us the reason for the redemption of the firstborn. Two more times briefly in Sefer Shmot, does the Torah command of the need to address the firstborn? In Shmot, Perakaf Bet, the Torah says, Bechor banecha titenli, you shall give me your firstborn sons. And in Shmot Lamedalid, the Torah states, Ufeter hamor tifte vese, vim lo tifte va'arafto, kol bechor banecha tifte, velo yerauphanai reka. Once again, commanding of the first offspring of the chamor to be redeemed with a, with a sheep or to be have its neck broken and the need to redeem the firstborn sons. Note the difference between Bechor Banecha Titenli, your firstborn sons you shall give me, and Kol Bechor Banecha Tifteh, the firstborn sons you shall redeem. Add on to these four instances in Sefer Shemot, of course, what we are reading here in Sefer Bamidbar, the redemption of the firstborn through exchanging them with the Levim. Now let us pose a simple question. Is the redeeming of the firstborn an, etern, an internal mitzvah, eternal mitzvah, or a one-time event? The commandments in various places in the, in the Torah seem to imply an, an eternal commandment. The fact that we today fulfill this mitzvah of redeeming the firstborn by giving five shkalim of silver to a kohen also implies that it is an eternal commandment. However, what we have read here in today's section in Parshat Bemidbar was a one-time event in which the Leviim redeemed the firstborn by replacing them one for one. How do we reconcile this apparent contradiction, this difference? A one-time occurrence or an eternal mitzvah? One approach, which is classically adopted by the classic commentaries, is to unify and reconcile. The Ramban views the redeeming of the firstborn in our parasha as a completion of the commandment in Shemot. There is a commandment to redeem the firstborn, and the fulfillment is through the exchange with the Levim. The additional firstborn, who did not have a Levi to stand in for them, gave five shekels of kesef, of silver, just as we are commanded for generations to come. The Chizkuni follows in the Ramban's footsteps, 
by giving a technical explanation as to why the redeeming of the firstborn through the Levim, a fulfillment of the commandment in Shemot, is limited to one time in history. The common denominator, one commandment to redeem the firstborn, initially fulfilled by the exchange with the Levim, and, subs- and subsequently fulfilled by redeeming with, the, with money. However, a more modern approach that does not reconcile and explain by unifying, but rather reconciles by dividing and separating. This approach that I will explain now is a variation of one posited by Rav Mordechai Sabato. Two separate Kedushot sanctifications exist in the firstborn, and therefore two separate redemptions are necessary. There is an innate inborn Kedusha in the firstborn, like there is in many firsts, or reshit in the, in the language of the Torah. We have the first fruits, the Bikurim. We have reshit arisotechem, the first of the dough, the mitzvah of chala. The first shearing of the sheep, reshit hagez. So the Torah often demands of us to give the first. So too there is an innate kedusha in the firstborn of humans and animals. This Kedusha demands a reaction to be offered to God, to be given to God's representative, the Kohen, or in the case of a human, to be redeemed. This Kedusha is represented in the first verse in Shemot 13. Kadesh li chol b'chor peter kol rechem b'vnei Yisrael ba'adamu v'abehema lihu. No reason is given for this Kedusha. It is a fact, just like the other laws of Reshit. The firsts are eternal Torah laws. So too the redeeming of the firstborn of humans is eternal. And so today we redeem the firstborn with five shkalim. Likewise, we have a mitzvah in the Torah to offer our firstborn animal as a sacrifice. It's given to the Kohanim there to eat it. This is an eternal mitzvah. However, there is a second Kedusha that stems not from something innate, but from a historic reality. The fact that God killed the firstborn of Egypt, but spared our firstborn. This is, of course, expressed in the second set of verses we read in Shemot 13. Because of the fact that God killed the firstborn in Egypt, but spared us, something that we have to discuss towards the end of the Shi'ur, therefore we must redeem our firstborn sons. This verse that we read from Sefer Shemot, of course, parallels a verse that we read earlier in our parasha. God claims that he, the, the firstborn, belonged to him because of Makat Bechorot, because of the plague of the firstborn. This is very different than an innate Kedusha. How do we understand the relationship between these two Kedushot? The second Kedusha, the one that stems from a historic reality, this makes an actual demand of service to God. 
This mirrors the pasuk that we read later on in Sefer Shemot, Bechor Banecha Titenli. Give me your firstborn sons. Do not redeem them, give them. I want them to serve me. And so the firstborn should work in the service of God. Not as an act of redemption, but an actual act of service. Now, we have to ask ourselves, that being the case, why the change? For some reason, a historic change took place and the Levim replaced the firstborn. Previously, we've mentioned the possibility put forward by Rashi that this took place because of the sin of the golden calf. A sin in which the firstborn apparently participated in, but the Levim did not. I say apparently because the Torah doesn't state specifically that the, the firstborn participated in the sin, although it does explicitly say that the Levim did not participate in the sin. The Levi'im, based on this approach, are fit for serving God as opposed to the firstborn. Sefer B'midbar makes no mention of the, the, this reason for the transformation. This silence on the reason, not mentioning Cheta Egel, the sin of the golden calf, might imply a more natural process in which one tribe was chosen so that the service of God could be transferred from father to son, in a natural family progression and not involving one representative from each family in the nation. The idea of having one representative from each family in the nation is a nice theoretical idea. Everyone is represented in the Mishkan, in the Beit Mikdash. But it lacks a natural bond between these people who would serve God and it would make the practical side more difficult as opposed to having one tribe where the father teaches the son, the brothers go together, the families go together. Here we have a situation where a firstborn would have to serve God, but would have no idea. His father could not teach him. His father was not a firstborn. So it's possible that the choice of the Levi'im as a tribe to represent the, 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 the to replace the firstborn is not as a result of a sin and a reward, but rather a natural progression which makes a theoretical idea more practical. This transformation of replacing the firstborn with the Levi'im takes place as a one-time event. Once the firstborn are redeemed and replaced by the Levi'im, the Levi'im are permanently in their place and they serve God. In this approach, we've answered our question. There are there is a Kedushah of the firstborn that needs to be redeemed eternally, and that is the mitzvah that we fulfill today. And there is a Kedushah of the firstborn stemming from the salvation at the end, at the plague of the firstborn, which is replaced by the Levi'im as a one-time event. Now we can return to the question of why there were two census of the Levi'im. The first census of the Levim from one month and older is a specific and unique census for having the Levim replace the firstborn. Therefore, there was a census of the firstborn as well to parallel the census of the Levim. The second census of the Levim, which we will learn about in the final section of the parasha, parallels the larger census of the nation. The nation was counted from 20 years and older as soldiers in the army. The Levi'im did not serve in the army. Instead, the Levi'im serve in the Mishkan. They have their own census from 30 to 40 years in which they are to serve in the Mishkan. Finally, we return to the question of the discrepancy in numbers. 
The Torah states that the sum total of the Levi'im from one month and older was 22,000, while the sum total of the firstborn was 22,273. The difference of 273 creates the following need. 22,000 of the 22,273 firstborn are redeemed by the Levi'im, but the additional 273 who are not redeemed by the Levi'im must each pay five shkalim to redeem themselves. However, when we added the subtotals of the three families of the Levi'im, we reached 22,300, a number that would have been sufficient to cover all of the firstborn and not necessitate any payment by any of the firstborn. So why did they have to pay? Rashi, quoting the Gemara in Masechet Bechorot, explains that those 300 Levi'im were themselves firstborn and they redeemed themselves and were therefore not able to redeem other firstborn. We will conclude our shiur with a discussion of the numbers of Bechorot and touch again upon the numbers of the Levi'im. We discussed certain mathematical problems that come up explicitly in the Psukim. This problem has been presented in, again in modern times, not that it's a modern problem, but it's something that was not dealt with in the classic Parshanim. If we say that B'nai Yisrael are 600,000 males over the age of 20, we can assume that there's a similar number of females, uh, perhaps even more, but at least we'll assume the same number. That gets us to 1,200,000. This doesn't give us the full number of B'nai Israel because we did not count the number of children of B'nai Israel up to the age of 20. If we assume that there was a greater number of children in the younger ages, because that's usually what happens as a population grows, there are more children, so we can perhaps even assume that we can double the number to 2,400,000 people in total in B'nai Israel. Now, if there are 22,000 male firstborn, there are 44,000, assuming a 50-50 split, there are 44,000 firstborns, or in other words, there are 44,000 families. 44,000 families reaching 2,400,000 people will assume that there are approximately 55 children in each family. This is an extremely difficult number to fathom. However, our problem only gets worse when we look at the Levi'im. We counted 22,300 male Levi'im, and then we posited that there are 300 of them who are firstborn. If we do the math on that, that would mean that there are and when we add to those 300 firstborn males, another 300 firstborn females, then we're going to get to a number of 37 brothers and sisters in every family of the Levim. Again, a number which is very difficult to fathom. Many different mathematic solutions have been attempted to be brought to this problem, but we will bring one, one solution that Rav Yaakov Meidan, the Rosh Shivav Haaretzion, has suggested to this problem. When we read the, read the Psukim about God killing the firstborn of Egypt, it doesn't explicitly say that God saved our firstborn. It's something that we make a logical jump and say, well, God killed the firstborn of 
Egypt and he saved our firstborn and therefore we are obligated to God. Now we see that certainly some of our firstborn left Egypt. We counted 22,300 22,273 firstborn. So certainly some of the firstborn did leave Egypt. However, is it possible that not all the firstborn of B'nai Israel left Egypt? Is it possible that some of them died in Egypt? Chazal have already posited a, a, a possibility that some of B'nai Israel died during Makat Choshech, during the Plague of Darkness when the Egyptians could not see what was going on, were there perhaps part of B'nai Israel who were not willing to bring the Korban Pesach, who were not willing to subject, subject themselves to God's demands and give up Abu Dazara? That is one possibility, that they were killed during the plague of darkness in order to hide their death from the Egyptians. However, if we make a logical jump, and say that those who did not participate in abandoning idol worship in Egypt and take part in the Korban Pesach, if they didn't take part in Korban Pesach, then they might not have put blood on their doorposts. If they didn't put blood on their doorposts, then perhaps even amongst B'nai Israel, many firstborn were killed. So while B'nai Israel left Mitzrayim in great numbers, many of the firstborn actually died in the plague of the firstborn. Therefore, God does not say that he saved all the firstborn when he took us out of Egypt, but rather, he killed the firstborn of Egypt. And perhaps, many of the firstborn of B'nai Israel were killed as well, and that would explain the discrepancy between the numbers of the firstborn and the numbers of the general population. There are not enough firstborn for the number of the pop general population, and that is because many of the firstborn were actually killed in the plague of firstborn. Uh, with this, we conclude our fifth shiur of Parshat B'midbar, and in the next section, we will complete Parshat B'midbar.